Well, hello there, and welcome to another edition of Servant's Heart Chapel. I hope uh, this particular episode is a special blessing to you. So let's get right to it. It is good to be in God's house today. Beginning with uh, John uh, uh, chapter 5, verse 1, there's so much going on here, uh, we won't miss anything important. This next event, as we go through Christ's life, this next event, we see a healing uh, and then controversy from that healing, and what we as Christians, as Christ followers, can glean uh, from these events. After this, a Jewish festival took place and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Most scholars agree that the festival referred to here is in fact the Passover, the festival, the most preeminent festival uh, of all the uh, different uh, holidays they had uh, and the fastings. This was the most significant and it was very common for uh, Jewish people to travel to Jerusalem for the Passover. And it was required to participate and to attend the Passover, required by uh, the law God laid uh, forth uh, with the Israelite people. And Jesus uh, obeyed the law. Until he fulfilled the law, did you notice that Jesus never broke the law? Even the ceremonial law that eventually would uh, not be needed anymore. Um, in his life, he he followed. He did everything he was supposed to do, as um, a good Jewish man. And so he went to the Passover to observe, went to Jerusalem to to observe Passover, uh, fulfilling the law, and and serves as our example for attending church. <clears throat> he. Uh, he didn't miss church. He didn't. He didn't miss that. He 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 went when there was service. There's this lax attitude about church. It's a nice thing for us to do, but we really don't need it. And we're starting to see why we do need it. It's important, and I'll talk more about why it's so important lately. But I was recently talking to a man um, who told me he wasn't going to be able to make it to church because. He, uh, he had to work extra hours to, to uh, take care of his family. So I'm doing this for my family. It didn't even occur to him that not working Sunday and taking his family to church would actually be a better service to his family than him working a bunch of extra hours. He's got six other days he can work 24-7 if he so chooses. And, and uh, Sunday... There's a value to that. We'll talk more about that later on. But here we want to stop and, and take this capturous moment that Jesus uh, followed the law and serves an example to us. Verse 2, by the sheep gate in Jerusalem, there was a pool called Bethesda in Hebrew, which has five colonnades. Now, the, the gate they were talking about, they called the sheep gate because that's where they brought the animals in, the sheep, for sacrifice to the temple. So, 
that became known as a sheep gate. <clears throat> so by this gate, there was this pool called the, the pool of water called Bethesda, uh, which uh, literally means house of mercy. That's why we have a lot of hospitals named Bethesda. Um, and also its connection to healing, as we're going to see shortly. Uh, in Hebrew, uh, five colonnades. Colonnades, by the way. Uh, are rows of columns supporting a roof. So there are five rows of columns supporting this big roof. It was a giant porch. Big open area covered by a roof to shield you from the direct sun. Make you a little bit more comfortable. And within these lay a large number of the sick, blind. So the people that were, they were blind, they were some were lame, paralyzed. They were waiting for the moving of the water because an angel would go down to the pool from time to time to stir up the water. Then the first one who got in after the water was stirred up, recovered from whatever ailments he had. So a miraculous thing had been happening at this pool. And there were, you know, who knows how many people, large groups, maybe even a um, hundred or more people were, were there. And, and, and they were there all the time hoping to be the first one in whenever this happens. And they were waiting. They were, they were seeking for healing and they were waiting for healing. And, and maybe you have been seeking for healing of some kind. Maybe it's a physical healing. Maybe it's a spiritual healing. Maybe there is a besetting sin that just keeps getting you over and over again. And you're so discouraged and, and you don't want to do I encourage you to don't give up. Keep seeking and waiting for God to heal you. To help you. To rescue you. So because an angel would go and stir up this water, they were waiting for it. It's really not surprising that an angel would be involved in healing because God used an angel to, to kill people, right? So it's not surprising that God would use an angel to, to heal as well. And I, I wonder, I think, we well, one theologian wrote that he thought we might be surprised. Um. We might be surprised later on if we find out how much angels are really involved in healing. So there was this race, right? There was a lot of waiting, and 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 you had to be aware and on your game because you never knew when that water was going to be stirred up, and and the first one in was the one that was healed. And verse 5 says, one man was there who had been sick for 38 years. It's a long time. <clears throat> 38 years, can you imagine? I'm sure, I don't know if that's from childhood, from birth, is 38 years old, or or maybe as a child he, he this happened and or as a young adult, don't know. We know most of his life, 
He's been unable to walk. Day after day after day. Unable to provide for himself. Probably spend some of his time begging to, to, to even get enough money to, to feed himself. Waiting. You ever felt like God made you wait a, a, a ridiculous amount of time? Why doesn't God answer prayer? What's taking so long? What's going on? I've been praying for years, Lord, and this hasn't happened yet. Why not? Why are you, have you not answered my prayer? You thought about the fact that if this man had been healed sooner, he might not have met Jesus. He waited 38 years. But waiting that long allowed him to meet with the master himself. That kind of changes things, doesn't it? If you were paralyzed and, and, you, and, and you thought, if I can just wait, I get to meet Jesus but it's going to take 38 years. Be more willing to do the time. Verse 6, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew he'd already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to get well? Now that kind of seems like a silly question at first, doesn't it? Most people would say, of course I want to get well. If I went into a hospital and started asking people, do you want to get well? They would probably call security on me, wouldn't they? What kind of nut are you? Of course you want to get well. That's a dumb question. But it wasn't a dumb question. You see, not everybody wants to get well. Not everybody wants to be saved. Not everybody wants to be free from their sin. There's a video of a, of a old video of, a, of a, a husband and wife talking on the couch, and 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 the wife starts telling her husband, you know, I just I keep having this constant pain. It, it, it's it's sharp, piercing pain right between my eyes, and I can't. It it, it it never relenting. It just keeps going. And and husband looks at her, and he sees there's this nail right between her eyes. He's like, well, you have a nail in your forehead. He's like, well, stop telling me. Stop trying to fix it. Just, I, I, I have this, this piercing pain. I just want you to hear me. He's like, well, no, if we take out the nail, you won't, you won't feel the pain anymore. It will heal and you won't feel the pain. No, you're not. She didn't want to hear it. That's what I feel like sometimes when people, I come across people who are lost in sin. 
I can see the pain they're going through, and I can see that it's directly connected to sin in their life. And I'm like, oh my word, if you would just surrender your heart to God. Give your heart to Jesus. Almost all of this would go away. But they don't want to hear it. My best friend in high school got to a point, he contacted me after his uh, second wife left him. And I told him, I said, all I have is Jesus. That'd be the, he'd be the best thing for you. At this moment, when all seems lost, and it's, it's so dis, you're so discouraged, and everything's going on, if you just turn to him. But he didn't want to hear that. And he stopped talking to me. Soon after. Not everybody wants to be healed. But this man did, verse 7. Sir, the sick man answered, I don't have a man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. Evidently, he didn't have... Friends like the other guy we talked about last week. The buddies who who carried this guy to Jesus. And when they couldn't get in the house, they tore a hole in the roof so they they could get their friend to Jesus. Those are good friends. This guy didn't have anybody just to roll him to the water at least. We need to have our ducks in order, have have our lives in order, because there may come a time where we need to carry a friend to Jesus. Verse 8, get up, Jesus told him, pick up your mat and walk. Notice that Jesus demanded an effort on the man's part. Everything God does for us, it seems that there's he expects something from us too. It's not just a passive receiving of it. We are to participate. Verse 9, instantly the man got well, picked up his mat, and started to walk. Now that day was the Sabbath, so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, this is the Sabbath. It's illegal for you to pick up your mat. Now, yes, it was illegal by their own laws. They had a bunch of extra rules that they had added, things you could and could not do on the Sabbath. And so they were getting on to him about that because that carrying, according to them, carrying something was considered uh, work and therefore violated the Sabbath. 
Verse 11, he replied, the man who made me well told me, pick up your mat and walk. Who is this man who told you, pick up your mat and walk, they asked. But the man was cure, who was cured did not know who it was because Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Verse 14, after this, sometime later, Jesus found him in the temple complex. Notice that Jesus was looking for him. God seeks us. And said to him, see, you are well. Do not sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. Notice that we have a requirement of obedience to Christ. Notice also that not all sickness, disease, physical uh, deformity, um, is uh, Bible. We've seen many examples that it's not necessarily related to sin, but it can be. And in this man's case, it was. Don't sin anymore. The sin he did in the past, stop doing it. So something worse doesn't happen to you. I think sometimes God allows bad things to happen to us as a mercy to us. When we can't control ourselves. There was this... Uh, a young man who was morbidly obese. Before he gained so much weight, he would go out to clubs with his friends and drink and, and carouse and all the usual stuff, the drugs and whatever activities uh, in those places were going on. He was a participant, and uh, but he began gaining a lot of weight, became morbidly obese, where he could hardly move around, let alone go to a club. Well, he had stomach surgery done where he began losing weight and he lost, once he lost enough weight where he could put on a pair of jeans, he was ready to go clubbing again with his friends. And he went out with his friends and went back into that same lifestyle, much to the concern of his parents, by the way. His parents were very concerned about that. And from what I gather, there were at least church-going people. They were concerned about his lifestyle, and it turned out they had a right to be concerned because he began getting back into drugs again. Well, not long after that, he suddenly developed this very rare condition that left him paralyzed with most of his body. He moves arms a little bit, but not much else in his head, not much else was permanently relegated to a chair, electric chair. And sometime later, you'd see him and, and, and he had lost a lot of weight. But he was still in the chair and there was a smile on his face. And I also happen to notice 
he was wearing a Jesus t-shirt. Now, in and of itself, we don't know a whole lot, right? But I think there's a connection. I think God allowed something bad to happen to him as a mercy to him to save. He took his body to save his soul. So Jesus heals this man, go ahead and heals him, and hopefully he, he obeyed Jesus and didn't go back into a life of sin so that something worse didn't happen to him. Verse 15, the man went and reported to the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Therefore, the Jews began persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. They didn't care that he was healing. They were mad that he was breaking their law. But Jesus responded to them, My father is still working, and I am working also. You see, yes, God rested from creation. He rested from creating. God has never rested from governing and preserving the universe. And so we work. We work on Sundays, governing and supporting all things in our lives. We, com- we comfort, I don't let being Sunday keep me from comforting someone in need. Okay. Um, I'm sorry? He just tried calling me. Would you call Robert? See what's going on? Okay. Where was I? Here we go. Comforting those in need and, and saving the lost. Um, from the very beginning, when Jesus rose from the dead, Christians began to celebrate the first day of the week as their Sabbath, as our Sabbath, uh, and have traditionally referred to it as the Lord's Day. Um, in fact, I have a couple quotes from early Christians about the Lord's Day. Um, Ignatius from 105 AD, so you know what is that? Uh, barely 70 years after Christ's resurrection, said so no longer observing the Sabbath, but living in the observance of the Lord's day. So we observe the Lord's day. And then uh, Justin Martyr uh, wrote, on that day called Sunday, all who live in cities or in the country gather together in one place. And the memoirs of the apostles, or the writings of the prophet are read. I like that. Memoirs of the apostles and writings of the prophets. We're, we call that the Old New Testament now. But Sunday is a day in which we all hold our common assembly because it is the first day in which God made the world. 
and Jesus our Savior rose from the dead on that same day. So this is meant to be a special holiday for us every single week. There's a value and a blessing, and those who continually make excuses to go about the normal business they would would be in the rest of the week and not treat Sunday as a special day are doing themselves a great disservice and ignoring thousands of years of Christian tradition. There's a great many, I started listening, I started listing um, what the Lord's Day provides us. And I've come up with quite a few. So first off, it provides us rest, an opportunity to just take a break. Take a breather. Take slow things down for a bit. Not do anything productive. Just to be with God, be with family. Take a nap. Sometimes the most uh, spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. We've had young mothers come in here haggard, right? Exhausted. And I, I've never successfully done it, but I've always tried to encourage them just to go back in, in the back and take a nap. I feel like that's that'd be a great blessing to them. So there's the rest. You know, our mind, I don't know about you, but during the week, my mind is going nonstop. I'm thinking about what am I going to do now? What do I need to do next? Planning, uh, producing, coordinating, communicating all week long. And it's nice to take one day just to rest. The Lord's Day provides us family time. Very special and the rest of the week, we're, we're all busy with school and work and, and uh, everything going on in our lives out throughout the week. And it's real easy to, to not uh, to just be with family. And if, uh, the Lord's Day provides us time with other Christians, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and, and time to encourage one another, talk about our challenges, uh, our, our uh, accomplishments, our victories. Uh, the Lord's Day affords us a special time with God. Just a time to kind of spend a little extra time with the Lord, normally more than we would normally do throughout the rest of the week. A time with God together corporately in church as we sing and pray together. The Lord's Day provides us a new start. Maybe this past week was horrendous. Maybe there was a, a sin that you struggled with or, or you, you, you uh, spoke uh, uh, unkindly to a spouse or a child or were disrespectful to your parents or, um, uh, or you, you, there was something that, that you struggled with and you failed at and and, and this past week was just a mess. And guess what? It's a new week. You could take your time right now and say, God, you know, forgive me. Maybe go to family or whoever you offended. Ask for forgiveness. And, and, and start with a clean slate. 
It's a new start, new new week. The Lord's Day affords us opportunity to set priorities for the coming week. The time we spend with family and God, it's a great time to kind of also think, okay, what's important to me this week? And we're not wasting our, our time with meaningless distractions all week long. We're actually trying to accomplish something while God lets us stay on the earth. The Lord's Day provides us the comfort of tradition. The comfort of tradition. There are songs written about people's traditions on Sunday. The, and there's something about it. The people in here who have come and gone, gone back into the world, but they've been marked. Hey, one man come in here who hadn't been here in a long time, and he was like, wow, yeah. Just a smile on his face. What was he experiencing? The comfort of that tradition. Those moments, those memories. There's something about something special. <clears throat> One thing I enjoyed with, with Missy's parents, they they had Sunday traditions. They, you know, when I dated her, we would um, go to their house, we'd have Sunday dinner, and then you just relax or or take a nap or go for a walk down the country road. And then later that night we'd go back to church for evening service. And then after the evening service, the pastor there would have everybody over at their house for food, of course, and fellowship. And, and Missy and I and friends would sit on the couch and look through Sears catalogs back when they still had Sears catalogs. And that was tradition. That was the... Um, <clears throat> I was reading a book on on the analog church, the value of a it's a relatively new book, and the value of uh, of of real connections in our churches. And it talked about how important, you know, suggested that churches have meals together every week. And I thought, hmm, we're already doing that. It's traditional and bad. It's special and meaningful, and 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 it it develops over time. It strengthens our bond with one another. The Lord's Day I know before I got serious with God, you know, as a young adult, before God sanctified me and, and just really solidified my walk with Him, I there were times I I said, well, you know, I, I don't feel like going to church this Sunday. Let's not go to church this Sunday. And I would I would try to rest on Sunday without God. Just eat a bunch of junk food. Watch a bunch of TV, 
And at the end of the day, I felt more tired than when I started after just resting. I found that I need God as a part of my rest, for real rest, for true rest. But people make excuses. As the person I told you recently said, I, I'm sorry I can't make it at church. i, I got to work extra hours to make more money for my family. And it's a shame. It's a tragedy. It, it can be painful sometimes because it's like watching, uh, watching somebody uh, cut themselves, and you can't do anything. You can't do anything about it. You can't stop them. So verse 18, this is why the Jews began trying all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but is even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. That's very important. A lot of people will say that Jesus was a good teacher, but he wasn't God. Well, no, Jesus said he wasn't God. The, the Jewish people saw that, and they were offended by it. How dare you call yourself God? Then Jesus replied, I assure you, the Son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son also does these things in the same way. For the Father loves the Son and shows him, shows him everything he is doing, and he will show him greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. And just as the Father raises the dead and gives him life, so the Son also gives life to anyone he wants to. The Father, in fact, judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, so that all people honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. And then I'll close with this. What Jesus So Jesus talks about judgment. The judgment is in God the Father has given Jesus the, the, the rule of judgment of, or condemnation. Jesus has the authority to sentence people to hell. It's going to be up to him. And Jesus said here in verse 24, I assure you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment, but has passed from death to life. So I don't know about you, but I want to believe what Jesus says. Because I, I don't want to be judged by Jesus. I want to be, I want Jesus to say, welcome my good and faithful servant. That's what we have a hope for. Let us stand. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode. If you have any questions, feel free to email us at ServantsHeartChapel at gmail.com. Also, we have a website, ServantsHeartChapel.org. 
Um, we also have a Facebook page. So you're welcome to check us out. Love to hear from you. Prayer requests, anything you may need. We are here for you. Have a wonderful and blessed day.